those who came in late. This is the Disenfranchised Podcast, where that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, and joining me as always, the co-host who walks, it's Tucker. Hey, Tucker. Hi, Stephen. How's it going? It's going, my man. It goes. Of course, our Good friend Brett Wright is lost in the Bengala jungle. We wish him a very speedy and safe return. But in the meantime, Tucker, you and I, we watched a little movie this week. Blast from the past for me, not so much for you. What what are we talking about this week? We straight up watched the motherfucking Phantom, Stephen. We are talking about the 1996 film The Phantom, directed by Simon Winsor, written by Jeffrey Boehm, and... Starring the great Billy Zane, Christy Swanson, the late, great Treat Williams, Catherine Zeta-Jones, James Remar, Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa, uh, Bill Shang Tsung S- himself. Shang Tsung himself. Um, November is mine. November man's own Bill Smitrovich, uh, Casey Siamazko, uh, David Proval, Joseph Ragno. UHF. David yeah. Provedals from UHF. Yeah, he is. The staples in his face. <laughs> John Tenney, Patrick McGowan, uh, Al Ruscio, John Capadisi. What a cast. Tucker, dare I say it? What a picture. Yeah, dude. Both of those things are true. And you said James Remar, but I want to call him out as Dexter's dad because that's what I'm going to call him this entire time when I refer to him. If I refer to him, he will be as uh, Harry Morgan. This is the first thing I ever saw James Remar in. And like the rest of the world, this was also the first thing I saw Catherine Zeta-Jones in. Right? Like, I couldn't believe she was. I had no idea she was in this. So I was like, wait a mm-hmm. minute. Is that a little baby Catherine Zeta-Jones? It took mm-hmm. about half the movie to be like, yeah, that's her. That's fucking mm-hmm. her for sure. One of her. Or let's let's get right into that fucking A. Like, and I was just the right age to get introduced to Catherine Zeta-Jones, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was. I, I turned 13 the month after this movie came out. Ooh. I was the right age to get introduced to Catherine Zeta-Jones in this Daddy. movie. So this is just a couple years before she was in The Mask of Zorro, which is kind of the movie that catapulted her to fame. Oh, I love that movie, too. It's good. It's very similar to this movie in the way that it's an old-timey action romp that is just rad as fuck. It absolutely – and it is her, like, next movie. But she has done only a handful of movies, and most of those, uh, like – British Australian films. Never heard of them. Right. Like she's in um, Christopher Columbus, the discovery in 1992, something called lay uh, the, she's in a thousand and one nights, a French version of a thousand and one nights as Scheherazade in 1990. That's her very first movie. Um, She does an episode of young Indiana Jones Chronicles in 93. Hey, something called return of the native, which I'm sure is very culturally sensitive in 1994. Sure. That holds up. I'm sure. A a TV movie about Catherine the great, where she plays Catherine the great in 95. And also in 95, a little movie called blue juice. So this is kind of her first big Hollywood film. Also in also in Blue Juice, uh, Sean Pertwee and Ewan McGregor. Uh, Fuck me. That is wild. That is fucking wild. That is a weird cast. And it's a surfing movie. Um, So, yeah, and she does this. Then later in 92, 96, she's in a TV miniseries about the Titanic called aptly Titanic. 
Uh, and then the two years later, she's in the mask of Zorro and the rest is just all, all hits, no misses. So like great God bless and her. intolerable cruelty, BT dubs. She's really sure. great in that. Sure. Not a movie I'm a fan of, but yeah, I know I you like really love it. I, I, and that's, and it's not, it sounds like I'm being like the contrarian of Coen brothers fans. It's pretty contrarian. Like, Lady Killers and Intolerable Cruelty, I think they're least enjoyed films by most people. I, I those love both of two. those movies. Those are actually love the only them. two Coen Brothers movies I don't like. So I like them both. And the my least favorite Coen Brothers movie is Hail Caesar, but I still like it. I really dig Hail Caesar. I think That's it's my least fun. favorite. Um, she's also in future episode of this podcast, Sinbad Legend of the Seven Seas, which comes out in uh, 2003. Oh, that's a movie that already came out. OK, I never heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. future episode of this podcast, Sinbad. It's it's the uh, DreamWorks animated film that they did with Brad Pitt. Oh, they did it in the style of Prince of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Right. Very much. Yes. That movie's a banger, dude. I don't know if you've seen Prince of Egypt, but that movie is the shit. Have I seen Prince of Egypt? Oh yeah, you've seen. You're probably like the only. That's probably like the only movie you're allowed to see. In the <laughs> <laughs> it's like the only clamshell like Disney type VHS you have. It's fucking no, Prince dude, of Egypt. We were all. We were a Disney family growing up, dude. I believe it. I fucking loved Disney growing up. I wanted to be an animator for Disney for the longest time when I was a kid. Like that was like yeah, my dream job as a child. Like you asked me what I wanted to do, I wanted to be an animator for Disney. Um. But we are talking about The Phantom, uh, a movie I watched in the theater. Yes, Stephen, tell us a little history about your history of the history of The Phantom with you in history. <laughs> well Please. said. Um, no, I, I no, I, I watched this. I was obsessed with this movie when it came out. Like, I fucking loved it. Like, I... I, I bought into the, the 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 marketing hook line and sinker like I was the target audience for this movie um, and I had very little familiarity with the Phantom comics and when I did finally get into the Phantom comics I thought they were boring as shit but I really dug this movie I had the junior novelization of this movie uh, I read it cover to cover at least twice um, I had a multiple actually um facsimiles of the phantom ring uh like the ring that he wears with the skull ring that he wears in the did movie did he have one that lights up did you have one that lights up no i wish Ooh. no it, it was like a mail in giveaway kind of thing where you like submit box tops and i think you my family in the was in the upcs man right i think my family was in the process of michigan I think my family was in the process of moving during that. So it was like a limit one per household. So I was able to order like multiples because I ordered Fuck one yeah. at the old address and one at the new one. You're like, no, this is a completely different Stephen Fox for the can't you see the address is different. Liv like living in the same city. Who fucking cares? It's a very common name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's not. But whatever there are. I mean, there are dozens of us. Sure. But oh yeah, yeah. at least. I only know of one other one and he lives in Australia. He's like a, a proper businessman and probably hates that I come up on searches for his name. Uh, he probably, it probably just eats him up inside. Um, uh, we can only hope he probably doesn't care to, he didn't give two shits one way or the other, I'm sure. Um, but I also Listen, had like, he doesn't even know who you are. No, nor should he. Um, I don't really know who he is. I just, I've Googled <laughs> my name. That's it. Um, I can't I, Google my name because I have the exact same name as a very famous uh, kicker for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. 
So it just all comes up as that guy just constantly reminding me of what I could have done with my life because it turns out I found out later in life that I'm really good at kicking a football. Had um, you not wasted had, your 20s, you could have gone somewhere, had dude. I known I was good at kicking a football, I would have done football in high school, dude. Kicker? What's kicker out of? He goes out there and kicks every once in a while. Every He's once not in a while. Tackled. Mm-hmm. He's not running. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have to be a strong. He can be a little ass dude like me. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. In Do the movie know, Necessary Roughness, he was Kathy Ireland. Yeah, dude. If I could, if I had known that I could kick a football when I was in high school, I would have done it for sure. It would have. It, this is I've somehow gotten into an alternate timeline where that is me, but mm-hmm. also I still exist here. So it's just it, it really every time I think about it, and and he's an artist, he's a singer, mm-hmm. he's a wonderful philanthropist. Just everything that I've ever wanted to be is Justin Tucker of the Baltimore Ravens, kicker. For the Baltimore Ravens, he's living. I just said my full name on the main feed, and that's okay. Whatever. And and I mean, I said the kicker for the Ravens. Like you could look it up. Like yeah, you couldn't Google kicker Ravens Tucker and fucking (laughs) figure it out. There he is. But like, I mean, after after all the after all the shit we put Joseph through a couple weeks ago for saying your name (laughs) on the on the main feed, and you just fucking out and say it like like it's nothing. God, I hope he listens stuff. to this episode and writes you a very strongly worded letter, sir. I hope he does too. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't fucking wait. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually shoot him a text after this, after this episode <laughs> recording's over, and be like, "Be sure to listen to the Phantom episode." We'll, we will, uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll read the letter on air. Yeah, we know, will. If, Hell yeah, he we will. I'm sure he will. He's, he's a, he's a yeah. verbose man who loves to write. He, he will absolutely write us something. Um, but no, yeah, I, I love this. I had, uh, I even had like uh rub on temporary <gasps> tattoos of the Seng brotherhood okay, tattoo that James Remar has in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. The like, spider web. Sure. Yeah. Had little, had the little Seng brotherhood spider web tattoos. Like I was all in on this movie. Um, I didn't own it on VHS, but like rented it several times from the video store. I actually told my dad, I was watching it for this podcast. Talked to my dad earlier tonight and he's like, Mm-hmm. I might watch that too. Gave him my Again, my dude. my max login, and so my dad's my dad's yes. watching the Phantom. He goes, "I might watch that one with you. That sounds like fun. I like that movie." Every now and again, I'll tell him what I'm watching for this, and he's like, "Ah, oh, I don't have any interest in that." But every now and again, I'll tell him, and he'll be like, "That sounds like fun. I'll watch that one." So I think yeah. he, I think he watched the fan. I gave him my max login, so hopefully he used it and got in and, and this is was- watching. This was your Rocketeer. For me, that movie for me around that age was the Rocketeer, and which would be a great double feature with this, by the way. I, I was going to say, like, it. there's a lot of Rocketeer elements in this. So, again, this comes out of this movie is made possible by Tim Burton's Batman. <gasps> I figured it out. Wait, I'm sorry to interrupt you so so aggressively, but I fucking figured it out. You know how everybody's like, whoa, well. Tim Burton's Batman hit and then everybody did pulp comics instead of, you know, superheroes. I fucking figured it out, Stephen. I solved the riddle. Uh, Question answered, Internet. It's all right here. It's because the aesthetic of the Mm -hmm. Tim Burton Batman movie is very, you know, 30s oriented. It takes place in modern times, but the, the aesthetic of the buildings, the vehicles, the way people dress and stuff, it's very pulpy. It so is. that's that's where the studio executives got confused, man. They were like, well, Batman was around in the 40s. And like, look at those cars. That's like Dick Tracy shit right there. So people like pulp heroes, right? Well, and it, it, it's also, I mean, and I know Dude, I mentioned I just, this on I just our, answered the internet's question. Like, I know, can we have I, a round of applause? Like, come on. I did it. Good just job. In, just Go insert ahead. the audio. It's fine. Yes. Um, 
of an audience cheering. I was um, so proud of myself when I figured that out. I was watching the Phantom. I was like, wait a minute. I fucking figured it out. Well, and I mean, and I know I mentioned this on the, the Green Hornet episode, but like Batman was a comic strip as well. Like in this, I mean, the, the Phantom strip predates Batman's first appearance in comics by like three years. Yeah. Like he is one of the first costumed superheroes. I say costumed because the character Dr. Occult came out the year before, who's technically the first superhero, but yeah, but he, he wears... was the first one to wear spandex and a fucking exactly what do you domino, call mask. domino mask. Yeah. 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 Dr. Occult's a guy in a fedora and a trench coat. Like, yeah. And that's... even people like the shadow is just, again, a guy in a fedora and a fucking trench coat. Like, exactly. With, with, with a scarf, with a big know? scarf up to his nose. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, exactly. So that's like the Phantom is the first costume superhero. One of the first, if not the first costume superhero. Um, and it w- it came out of, so Lee Falk's the creator and it comes out of a desire to modernize like the classic serialized stories of, of the days of your, I think he pitches Kings, uh, or the, the King Syndicate. King Arthur one? King oh, Syndicate. Boy, on, no, it is, but it is King Arthur. Like he pitches okay. them on a King Arthur strip and they're like, we don't want it like an update of the Arthurian legend. They're like, no thanks. And so he's but like, that became a huge deal after that. That still runs today. Right. Prince Valiant. Yeah. Yeah. Who but the <laughs> they didn't want it. So but he, not at that point, I guess. So he went back and well, I will actually look up when Prince Valiant came out, but he went back and kind of re retooled it. And that's how the phantom was born. It was born out of this desire to kind of tell these types of stories. And in doing so, he creates one of the first ever, superheroes as as we know them today and honestly he is kind of a proto batman prince valiant comes out literally the year after <laughs> idiots the next year um but i mean and, still running dude yeah it is and the phantom still. is still i'm the fan so is the phantom like the it. phantom is it. is is absolutely still running uh obviously no longer created uh written by lee falk um obviously he has been uh, let me let me say famously dead since 1999. He's straight up deceased. He is absolutely deceased. But like but like all of those long running strips, it, they they hand them down to various writers and artists throughout the throughout the ages. Like uh, the the main uh, the butler of the the main character of Diana Palmer is called Falkmore, named after uh, both the original artist Lee Falk and the original uh, writer or the original uh, the original writer Lee Falk and the original artist Ray Moore. There you um, go. Yeah, there it is. We got there. Um, yeah, but yeah. those, the, so he's, that's who that character is named after, which I think is fucking great. I agree. I totally agree. Um, but yeah, so, and like, just God, uh, it's, and I, I think I like, the concept of the phantom more than I actually like any of the phantom stories. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, love- the movie's so good. Like you, you go back and try to check out anything else and it's like, it's not as good as the movie. Well, I love, I love the idea of just a generational superhero. Who's like the, the mantle is passed on from, from oh, yeah, descendant yeah. to descendant and to the fact that to the point that everyone thinks it's just the same fucking guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which I, I think that's kind of funny when you realize that like, Patrick McGowan, the prisoner himself, um, is like supposed to be what was the previous Phantom, and Quill gets a good look at both him and Billy Zane and <laughs> thinks they're the same person. I mean, when he was younger, maybe. I mean, you got the mask, 
I feel like when, sure, when you like, got when the, you're he's okay, the guy that so killed him like seven so years it's earlier. Nineteen, it's the thirties, right? Right. And like you're a dumb human in the thirties, like ignorant as fuck. Like like you're getting scared when trains come at the screen at the movie theater because you're that <laughs> ignorant, you know, Steven Steel, Spielberg style. Um, <clears throat> but imagine like you're in that time, mm-hmm. and there's a dude wearing all purple and a domino mask. Are you paying attention to what his jawline looks like? No, dude. You're like, what the fuck is this dude? <laughs> You've never seen anything like this. You're very focused on that costume because that. And you know, I think what what struck me as kind of uh, funny for me, specifically being a fan of Dexter, is the fact that James Remar is in this film, and Dexter has a very similar relationship with James Remar in the Dexter show, mm-hmm. where he appears yeah. sort of as a phantom that Dexter talks to after like, I think after I think season one, like, cause in season one and maybe parts of season two, he's mostly just there in flashback. And then to keep him in the show, they do bring him back as like a ghost yeah, that dude. only Dexter can see in here. Yeah, and then they play I with that idea. They play with that idea in the, uh, the season with um, Edward James almost and Colin Hanks. They, they kind of have another character doing the same kind of thing. Oh, and, and if you watch, um, that's how they get uh, Deb into the, the last season, the new, the new oh, the season. New yeah, which it's it's, uh, it's weird that they bring her back because she and uh, she and Michael C. Hall were married mm-hmm. uh, and have divorced since then. So kind of interesting that they brought her back. I don't know. That do be happening a lot. I, I have another example right on the tip of my brain, but I can't think of what it is. But that happens often. And I, I mean, mean, you know, the, not, the big not one all is split ups. Scream not five is the big one. Oh five yeah, well, Courtney. Co- that's the same thing. That's what I'm saying. Courtney Cox and David Arquette. Yeah, they're not together anymore, but they don't fucking hate each other. Not everybody that breaks up with somebody or divorces someone fucking hates that person. I hello hi right here. Like hi, how's it going? Like I'm still best pals with my ex wife. Like sure. no big whoop. Like, and I don't, I don't hate my ex either, but still, like. You know, it, it's got to be in, it's got to be difficult to work with said person on a daily. I mean, it basis. depends on it. I don't know. It depends on the relationship you have with that person post breakup. Like, like I, I do depends work on how with my ex wife every day. My ex wife is my fucking boss, dude. Right? I, yes, this I did know. Like I, it, pfft, whatever, man, doesn't bother me. I love my fucking love my job. Right on. I mean, you you do have a pretty sweet gig. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I don't don't think that it's easy though, Steve. No, I don't. I would there, never. Remember that time that group of thirteen year olds almost killed me? <laughs> Vaguely, yeah. Wait, yeah, which man. time? Exactly. <laughs> Little kids got it out for me, man. Fuck them kids. Fuck them kids. Damn wiener kids. Um, but yeah, the Phantom, man. So Tucker, what is your history with the Phantom? Well, strap in because there's a lot to say. Okay. Um. And uh, that is that I have always been interested in this film since I first saw the trailer before it came out. I've always just wanted to see this movie so bad because it looked so rad, mm-hmm. but I never watched it. I never watched it. And that's why no when we were, you discussing... were so to, to record yeah, this episode. Yeah. That's why every time you're like, what are we going to, what are we going to watch? Cause you know, something happened and we can't do what we were going to do. I'm like fucking Phantom. Watch the fan. Make me watch the fandom. Please make me watch you've, the fucking fandom. You've also been really gung-ho on the shadow, but I need to schedule a guest for the shadow. That's I another one. promise that one to somebody. There's a lot of movies in that era, a lot of the pulp movies that came out there. I've never 
Stephen, don't tell anyone, uh, but I've never seen Dick Tracy either. Okay, you fucking need to see Dick Tracy. I'm saying, dude, and these are all movies, all those movies that came out around that time, uh, off the success of Batman, of all the the pulp comic heroes and radio uh, guys and stuff like that. I've always really wanted to see them, but for some reason, I just never fucking did. But no, it's you... like I'm way into it, and like I'm way into old timey radio. I listen to old timey radio all the time. Your boy's on suspense like twenty four seven. The Whistler, it. right up my fucking alley. Like even even uh, even the Jack Benny show. <laughs> like I'm way into all that shit. Okay, how but, like, is I just Dick have Tracy never seen those movies? Not streaming anywhere. That is a fucking travesty no i own dick tracy on blu-ray it looks absolutely beautiful if we lived closer i would absolutely borrow you my copy can i rent it though i can rent it you can rent it it's on amazon prime and probably voodoo as well so i know you love your voodoo so you can absolutely rent it i do do i do do love my voodoo do do love your voodoo um but no it's it's fucking incredible like i got it on blu-ray having never seen it best five bucks i ever spent nice and it, it it was a fucking cheap Blu-ray, but in like I'll bet minim- that that's due for a 4K probably too. Without colorful, I, that fucking movie I was is. gonna say the colors and the cinematography mm-hmm. on that. If any, if ever there was a movie aching for a 4K release, it is Dick Tracy. And in fact, you know reason- what? Oh, if ahead. I get the Dick Tracy for if there is a Dick Tracy 4K and I buy it, I will mm-hmm. just give you my my Blu-ray. Like it is. You send that, will you send that along with my copy of Brick and the Scream Five that you've been promising me for months? Yeah, I have it with all that. Okay, they're, they're both sitting in there. Here's the <laughs> thing: Daddy. I think that Blu-ray is out of print that I got because it was like five bucks when I bought it, and now mm-hmm. like low end for the multi-format, it's like forty bucks. Ooh. Hey, unemployment doesn't work out. You know, you got something. <laughs> yeah. I just, so there is no 4K. That's unfortunate. No, no 4K yet. Sadly, tragic. Well, and but again, and I think the reason there's not, it's a Disney. It's a fucking Disney movie, and you know how they are about physical media. They're very like squeamish about releasing anything. Yeah, fucking I know. They're media. they're about to release like an over 100 disc box set of Blu-rays of all their movies and shit. They're really timid about that shit. I get it. Yeah, I don't. I read an I, article today that that's happening. Oh, okay, By the I, way, Disney's putting out like a hundred disc plus collection, apparently, allegedly. Of but like, you know what they yeah. they should because they're like they don't allow repertory screenings of any of their films. But. Like they're just they're really fucking protective of the brand. Like that's Disney's whole fucking thing. Like they are the Apple of film. Like they're very fucking proprietary and 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 protective of all their shit. And if, if it's not, if you, once it's out of print, fucking good luck. You're never going to find, like, I remember when I Nintendo's used to work. Nintendo's the same way. I remember when I used to work at the bookstore, uh, work at the, worked at the Barnes and Nobles and they, people would call in and be like, Hey, can I get the Lion King? And we'd have to be like, I'm sorry, it's in the vault. Like, I can't even order it. Like you'd have to Being try to find it Being released from the vault this summer. Exactly. Only on Disney DVD. And they're so fucking, and you've got to get it now before fucking it goes back vault. in the vault forever. There's no vault. That's bullshit. It is. Disney's it's, frozen head is in the vault. Like that's that's in what's vault. in the vault. Yes, his cryogenically frozen dead head <laughs> is what's in that motherfucking vault. And like a bunch of like racist letters he wrote or something. <laughs> you know that man was racist as fuck. Um, like, his dream you. project was Song of the South. Of course, thank I know you. that man was racist as fuck. 
thank you, Tom Hanks, for giving us a Walt Disney that we can pretend was the real Walt Disney. Thank you. He, for he that. gave us the the whitewashed Disney approved version he of Disney. Did and I do. I know that that entire movie is bullshit, but I do love Saving Mr. Banks. I think it's a really good film. I think Tom Hanks is fucking great in it. I think uh, What's Her Nuts is great in it too. That plays P.L. Travers. Um, uh, uh, fucking Jason Emma Schwartzman. You do love your boy Jay, Jason Schwartzman. He's cool going to be in himself. Yeah, he's going to be in the Hunger Games prequel coming out here pretty soon. Cool. Well, you know, I might watch that though because I did, I did see all those movies. Those movies all came out when Julie and I were together, and we saw those all at the theater because you know she's way into that shit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've seen them. I they're they're fine. I mm-hmm. Josh Hutcherson is something we got out of that. Thank you. Right. Yeah, that that movie came that out boy. the year after Detention. Pre- see our previous episode on Detention. And yeah, seriously, sure. if you've not seen Detention, go watch Detention. That movie is fucking wild as shit. I make $45,000 a year. You may not have a Skittle. <laughs> Which, God, I wish I was making 45000 a year as a teacher. Good Lord. Wouldn't that be great? He, well, he was an administrator. He's principal, so. You know. Oh, fair. Touche. Touche. I was also Dose teaching. In, I was also teaching in the private sector and not the good side of the private uh, sector. No, so, no. <laughs> the cheap side of the private sector is where I was yeah. teaching. So yeah, they were like, just pray for more money, Stephen. Yeah, <laughs> the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Why yeah, isn't dude. the Lord giveth to you, Stephen? Because we're taketh it away, Stephen. Because <laughs> we're not giveth it to you. The Lord's no, giveth it to us, and we're stopping it right here. Yeah, dude. <laughs> we're not passing that along. We're not. We're not paying those riches forward, Stephen. Because that's not a ah, biblical idea. No. The Bible says to hoard wealth. Where does it say that exactly? Right? It's in one of the books you haven't read yet. I've read them all. Probably. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. But no. God. I. The Phantom, though. The Phantom, mm-hmm. though. Yes, sir. Um. So this movie started production, like the the production on this started, there was supposed to be a 70s version of this movie. Really? Yes. I would have watched that too. That would have been kind of fucking rad, honestly. And it was supposed, guess who it was supposed to star, Tucker? Think. In the 70s version. Um, he was a hmm. big, he played a big name TV superhero in the previous decade. Oh. Um, Maybe the preeminent television superhero in the previous decade. From the 60s? From the 60s. Would have been Batman. Adam West? Adam West was supposed to play the Phantom. Batman. Yeah. And he they they couldn't secure the rights to the character and the project I'd, fell through. I would watch the fuck out of that. That would be really great. Be something, um, and I'd be there for it. It is. Um, so they kicked this around for a while in the eighties and late eighties, early nineties. Again, when when Batman comes out, a lot of these projects are getting greenlit and fast tracked. Um, at one point, they tap Joel Schumacher to direct. This is. It should be. It should be mentioned the year before Batman. Uh, Batman Forever comes out. Batman and Robin comes out. Sorry. Um, oh which is the movie that literally kills the superhero genre for a couple years uh, before he who must not be named X-Men brings it back. Listen to our Constantine episode. I get into all of this shit. Um, but so, so this is kind of that weird hint where like superhero movies are just about to die a slow and agonizing death, or I guess a quick agonizing death. Cause yeah, Batman and Batman and Robin. Oof. 
Um, but then he goes on to direct Batman Forever, so he's he's fine. Don't worry about Joel Schumacher; he's fine. He's dead. And now, then he but... did, and then he made his masterpiece, Eight Millimeter, which is the movie he made to say, "Hey, you people think you know who I am because you saw my fucking Batman and Robin? Watch this shit, idiot." Joel Schumacher <laughs> is an interesting filmmaker. Like he is, I think he's of, great. He I is, don't like I all think, his movies, but I think no. he's fucking great. He is, I think, the textbook definition of a journeyman filmmaker. Yeah, like for sure. He is the kind of guy who will just show up and direct. And he's done so many different films and so many different genres. Mm-hmm. Like he is, like a Time to Kill, maybe his best movie. It's uh, up there for sure. I've not seen Eight Millimeter though, but like Time to Kill, I remember being pretty good. I mean problematic yeah. now yes but he at the time to die and i hope he burns in hell <laughs> that's from that movie i know that was my sam jackson thank I, you i mean it's not bad um i love sam jackson in that movie and Me like too. that speaking of a movie with just a top to bottom banger of a cast time to kill. matthew mcconaughey in that bitch sandy bullock like good the, young mcconaughey mm-hmm. like when he's really firing on all cylinders man the piece of human excrement that is kevin spacey mm-hmm. um fucking Kiefer sutherland playing a piece of human excrement uh and doing it really fucking well like he does that pretty donnie well. sutherland shows up for a scene like his dad's in there for a scene like it's it's fucking wild that movie's wild as hell um and so schumacher they considered Raimi at one point who i think would have been great yeah, that would have been good. It would have been different, but yeah, it like, would have been good. It, again, it would have been very different. They finally settle in the late late 80s, early 90s. They settle on a, uh, one of my all-time favorite filmmakers, my boy Joseph Joe Dante. Which, as much as I love Joe Dante, I don't know, man. Mm. I really don't know. I think if he'd have gotten to make the movie he wanted to make, it could have mm-hmm. been really cool. The studio really balked because he had a demon in the final. There was a winged demon in the final act. Like Phantom fights a demon. And I don't think they liked that. Yeah, I think um, they wanted to keep it kind of grounded. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So Je- the Jeffrey, tracks, Bo- the, the script though that. that he has is the Jeffrey Boehm script. The script that Jeffrey Boehm wrote is the script that they used. But jo- when, when Joe Dante and Jeffrey Boehm were working on the script, According to Dante, it was written as a parody movie. It was written as a spoof. It was not supposed to be taken seriously. The whole thing was very tongue-in-cheek. So when Dante goes to see the movie, when it comes out, he realizes as he starts watching the movie, A, they're using the exact same script, but B, they're playing it all completely earnestly and very straight. And his exact thought was something along the lines of, oh, no. I don't know. I I disagree, though. I think that's what makes it so good. I think great comedy, which I think this movie has a lot of, comes from playing ridiculous situations and saying uh, silly dialogue with complete conviction. Like, if you've seen the the Starsky and Hutch remake with Wilson and Ben Stiller. Future episode of this podcast, yes. I fucking love that movie, and that's why that movie works. Is because they they're not we're silly boys. It's the seventies. <laughs> but you know, the writing is yeah. But they're playing it completely fucking straight. And for me, that's one of the reasons the Phantom works. And though I love our boy Gidante, I will say I must disagree with him. And I understand why he would feel that way because they wrote it a certain way, and that's not how it played out. But I think it still worked out in their favor. Just in it just got there in a different way. You know what I mean? I, I and I don't know. I I rem- I liked this movie more this time I watched it than the last time I watched it. And again, I think it it's a green Hornet problem in that when everything 
superhero related is so samey samey anything that looks remotely different feels like a breath of fresh air and this definitely hit those marks for me like i was getting some very solid um rocketeer vibes off of this you you mentioned earlier that rocketeer would make a great double feature i agree like treat williams and timothy dalton are basically playing different versions of the same character um, now, Treat Williams' version is, of Xander Drax would have been right at home in Joe Dante's version, too, I feel like. that's And that's my big takeaway, is there's one person who feels dialed into what this movie was supposed to be, and that is Treat Williams. Like, Treat Williams is playing this, like, he's going, f- it, it, it feels like, and I don't know if this is accurate, but it feels like he got cast for the Joe Dante version and like had conversations with Dante and knew what it was supposed to be. And then when they, they handed it over to a different director and like they changed the entire tone of the thing, like they're like, okay, Joe or treat, we want you to play. Like, he's like, no, 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 I know what I'm doing. It's like, no, but treat, we want you. No, 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 no. I know what I'm doing. And he plays it. Like he feels like when I was a kid, I remember not liking him because he was so over the top. And now I fucking love him because he is so over the top. Like, I'm just like, you are so perfectly pitched for what this movie desperately wants to be. And I fucking love you for it. Treat Williams. We should mention, of course, tragically treat Williams died earlier this year. We, we actually months ago, man, we had a full on conversation in the text thread about like rushing, like, like moving something around. I think we're in the middle of a theme month is the only reason we didn't like June 12th. He died June 12th. Like we've, we talked about doing the last movie in the substitute franchise as a unenfranchised, like as a, as a way of honoring treat. Mm -hmm. We, We couldn't figure out a way to make it work. Um, it would have been nice to do Deep Rising. Deep Rising's on the list, man. It's on the list. That would have been so. the pro- that's my that's my that is my Treat Williams movie. Mm. Now, see, this is my that's first my exposure favorite. to Treat Williams. I had no idea really? who the fuck this guy was. Yeah, this really? this this movie introduced He's me. He's everywhere, dude. Speaking of character actors, I know. Look, I'm dude, fucking Treat I, Williams, dude. In 1996, I was not the young movie fan I am today. <laughs> Wake up, Steven. <laughs> I, I, someone needed to say that to me in 1996. But again, I growing up in a conservative household in the nineties, uh, didn't get a chance to see a lot of movies. So that'll do it. it. Um, but like this, like this movie comes out a couple years, even before deep rising, deep rising is 98. Um, so like I hadn't, I, this is the first movie I'd seen it. This is the first movie, um, for Bill that I saw Billy Zane in. Um, I think it might have been the first movie I saw Christy Swanson in too. James Twin Peaks. This is Billy Zane. Yeah, hadn't watched Twin Peaks at that point. Um, first movie that I saw Catherine Zeta Jones in. Uh, probably the first movie I saw uh, Hiroyuki Tagawa in. Also, like this is just, Shang Tsung. Yeah, this was my first exposure to pretty much every actor in this movie, all of whom I now know from better from other things, but like. I don't know. Treat Williams. I will always remember this performance because this performance is so full ham. He's going maximum camp with this. And I think it is brilliant. Like his performance in this is so fucking good. Um, Like he is, he is absolutely hamming it up every time he gets very excited. Like I remember the, the, it, it makes me laugh every fucking time. I laugh out loud every fucking time when he's in the museum 
and all the stained glass windows are blowing up and he's like this is awesome this is great i love this and he like turns his head in anticipation like he's got this like goofy look <laughs> on his face he turns his head and then these windows shatter and he goes excellent like like wonderful and stuff like that and i just it a, a fucking kill the look on his face right before those windows shatter fucking kills me every fucking time i Yo, love that it mustache so does a lot much. of heavy lifting too he is so he's a is, great mustache he is the howard hughes i would say he looks like howard hughes yeah yeah and i'm sure that was intentional but i also had the thought that Hello, if, howard hughes said so because the rocketeer howard hughes was in yeah there. yeah yeah he is like if they had made Iron Man in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Treat Williams would have been a fucking amazing Iron Man. Amazing Please. Iron Man. Like we do all those like if the Avengers had existed in the 90s, it'd be these actors. And I, yeah. I'm like, you know, OK, Tom Cruise, Iron Man, but like Treat Williams, Iron Man. It would have fucking worked. And his audition is this fucking movie. Absolutely. Uh, if not him, then Timothy Dalton. See also Rocketeer, like his 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 Neville Sinclair. Yeah, fucking amazing. Like, and I know he's playing like a uh, an Errol Flynn kind of character there. Yeah, absolutely. But which we talked about in our Rocketeer episode that we recorded like years ago. At this point, uh, that was our first the first episode of our first non Spooky Thon theme month. We did Disney Plus December our first our first year and we covered the rocketeer basically just a bunch of movies we saw and we have we had on disney plus they need uh uh also alan arkin in the rocketeer uh future november tukey takeover episode of 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 disenfranchised return of captain invisible invincibles alan arkin mm-hmm. as peabody that mm-hmm. that needs a 4k that needs PB. a fucking 4k dude tell disney Disney's never gonna I'm, fucking do it. You're texting Disney. <laughs> yeah, can we get a yeah 4K Rocketeer? Yeah, again, is this the third time today? Yeah, okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Okay, bye. Hey yo, hey yo. It's my friend Dave. <laughs> no, you need to call your buddy Bob, Bobby Iger, Bobby I. Oh, hey, no, Bobby. I don't like that guy. I'll let other people talk to him. Bobby. Yeah, no, Dave, uh, Bob Iger sucks. So does Dave, his buddies, Dave Zaslav over at Warner Brothers. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Fuck all those uh, studio heads, honestly. Pay your fucking writers and actors what they're worth. And do it right now. Please. I don't. I, and look, there's so, there's so much media that I can consume in the meantime. Like, I'm not hurting for media. Yeah, I got so many movies on my YouTube, shelf dude. that I've purchased that Another I've never bought. Another place. Another place where creators are exploited. YouTube. I got that all day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, love it. Sure, love it. Look, if you're creating content for the internet, you're probably being exploited. Yeah, man. I spend I spend about 25 hours on this motherfucker every week. Yeah. So I know what that's mm-hmm. like. <laughs> I know. So about the plot of The Phantom. Yes, let's talk about the plot of The Phantom. And to do that, It's time for the plot in 60 seconds. For those of you who are new, this is the part of the show where we recount the plot of 1996's The Phantom in 60 seconds or less. And to decide which of us will be doing that, we will be flipping the Canadian quarter of indifference, um, which we will decide 
If it lands on heads or tails, I will call it in the air as Tucker flips it, and it will decide which of us will be recounting the plot of The Phantom in 60 seconds or less. Tucker, give it a flip. Here it goes. Call it in the air. Steven, one, two, three, go. Uh, tails. It is heads. Son of a bitch. <laughs> This isn't a hard one, Steven. No, it's fucking not. Look, there's a lot of things that happen in this movie, but it's uh, it's pretty easy to pretty easy to do. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I got to put time on a thing. Yeah. You uh, got to put six <laughs> seconds on the clock. So I know what I'm doing, man. <laughs> I'm still new me, at this. You got to only been f- a I've only been a host for nine months. I'm still new at this. You're you're still learning the ropes, man. I didn't even know how heads and tails worked in those early episodes. So I'm just a baby. Anyway, okay, you ready to go? Uh, Time starts when you talk. Kit Walker is the Phantom. He is like the 21st Phantom, uh, and it's a lineage passed on from father to son. When the previous Phantom dies, the next one takes his place. Um, And so he is the Phantom. He stops. uh, He tries to stop these dudes in the Bengala jungle from stealing this uh, silver skull. He doesn't. Um, but he, a, a girl he knew in college, like comes and visits and he's like, Hey, she's hot. I remember her. And so he goes to New York to like track her down, but also to track down like the other skulls. Um, he talks to her uncle and finds where the next skull is and it's in the museum, but there's this millionaire dude, Xander Drax, who's actually behind the dudes trying to get it. Um, they're working, the bad guy's actually working with this like ancient Chinese brotherhood called the Seng brotherhood. That's evil and wants to rule the world, but he also wants to rule the world. Anyway, there's a lot of fighting. Uh, they go to this Island called the devil's vortex and in the devil's vortex they get like uh they they there's this like mysterious island they run into the pirates of the sang brotherhood um and he finds the three skulls but there's a fourth skull that they learn about in like the last act of the movie and it turns out that the fourth skull is the fucking ring that the phantom wears i never gave you 30 and 10 because did um, damn you continue fin- finish up what you're saying i'll tell you why i didn't there's a because f- you were co- clearly distracted you were like looking off to the side the whole fucking time yeah yeah so the fourth skull the fourth skull is actually his ring and he uses it to blow up xander drax who's the millionaire dude and and uh and then he marries christy swanson at the end the end good job steven sorry about that um I just saw a big ass camper go by my window, which means somebody's trying to check in here in the middle of a foggy rainstorm at 11:30 at night. Hmm. And uh, our camp hosts don't stay on past 10:30 on weekdays, and Sunday counts as a weekday. Um, well, sorry so, about those guys. Nah, they'll be all right. They'll figure it out. There's a whole process. You, they can. It's really easy, but everybody can't seem to figure it out that's why i always help them but you give them about 10 15 minutes of like ooh, 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 and then they'll figure it out yeah just they just need the monolith to come down and and yeah. help them figure it out turn those apes into violent men uh i was just saying if my phone rings in the next couple minutes like <laughs> that's because the phones go to me all night oh Oh so if, if there's an emergency on on the campground, it's my ass. You're waking up. I'll remember that. Yeah, dude. You know, I'll give you the number. You can call me at like, well, you could just call my number. It goes I was going to say, phone, I, I, guess, I have your phone number. I I text you frequently. You could you could totally prank <laughs> call me as like a camper. You'd be like, whoa, my cable TV went out. I need to come up to check it out for me. I'm here on campsite 12. I need you to come, come get me. 
I go, there's there's a bee. <laughs> like, man, it's nature. Welcome to fucking nature, dude. Like, come on. There's wasps all over them their hills. I don't know. I don't know how to back my trailer into this spot. Well, maybe you shouldn't have fucking bought a trailer, you know? Maybe stay at a hotel. Like, go fuck yourself, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I bet your customer service is outstanding. It really is, though. Like, that's it really, really is. Like, it's one of my strong points. I didn't know if after the pandemic that I would be ready for a job like this, dealing with the public. Sure. But I handle it. I handle it masterfully. God, I, really I have do. not really had to deal with the general populace since the pandemic. And I'm so happy. So, so grateful for that. I hope I don't have to do that anymore. Sometimes it's fun. You know, a, a good 90% of the people who come and camp here are nice, sweet, wholesome people that are fun to talk to and, and just a joy to, uh, you know, be around. Uh, then you got, uh, you got every, every once in a while, you got a couple assholes, man. I was going to say, tragically, it's the assholes you tend to remember. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, I remember very few of the cool people that I knew when I worked retail, but I can tell you some stories about the assholes, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like my job, and it is customer service more so than... I ever really wanted it to be, but I found that that uh, that I do still, despite my disdain for the general public. There it is. There it is, coming from West Virginia. Hold up, get this. Get this on film, Stephen. I mean, we're not. AOA Night yeah. Security. This is Jay. What can I do for you? Oh yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm go ahead. Okay, uh, give me, okie doke, give me just a second to put some shoes on, and I'll meet you on the porch of the office, okay? No problem. Bye. I don't know, maybe go fuck yourself, right? <laughs> Have fun, buddy. Yeah, I gotta put some shoes on, I'll be right back, hopefully. Yeah, no, have fun, buddy. Five minutes later. Hey, I'm back, and I found another beer. I found a neglected beer from our break between our two episodes that we record. Good for you, dude. I am I am almost done with like my sixth beer of the night, so I am I am in a really fucking great place right now. Just like I am, but and between that and my vape that I've been hitting periodically throughout this episode, I'm just having a great fucking time right now. Like I am just like I'm I am like all. Just buzzing in my brain. It's great. That's wonderful. I just checked in uh, some lovely people. Um, so I went down there mm -hmm. and their uh, check-in packet, because we have after-hours check-in where mm -hmm. you go and you get your packet out of a little box that's on the, the porch. It's all very easy. It has everything you need, and you just fill out the paperwork, bring it to the office in the morning. It has your gate key. It has they a just map didn't to your have site. Monolith, monolith. It just... It just, yeah, it just wasn't there because my office staff has once again failed me. And I don't blame them, though, because these people made this reservation today. And same-day reservations sometimes slip under the radar. That does it, yeah. So I had to We never I had did, to though. Go when in. I worked in travel, we never did same-day reservations, like, ever. I had to go into the system and find their reservation and put them together a packet and everything. And they had a a cute sweet little puppy and i got to scratch the cute sweet little puppy and that was nice and then uh that's always a good thing and any yeah. interaction you get to have with a puppy is a good interaction so many dogs here dude that's the best part of my job i believe it 
I have every no time, problem believing that, actually. Every time I deliver wood and there's a dog, I'm like, yo, let me pet your dog. Is, Is that, that what the kids are calling it these days? Delivering wood? Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Hey, man, no. Like, firewood, <laughs> man, come on. Come on, man. So, yeah. Uh, so that was the plot of The Phantom. More or less. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we got it. We did it. Uh, fuck the Phantom, man. Like, yeah, dude. Mimby, Mimby the Phantom, Das I, Phantom. I do. I just fucking watched it tonight, and for the first time, I, I gotta say, this is probably the first time I watched it since the late '90s, maybe early 2000s. Like, it maybe since high school. This is the first time I watched this movie since high school. Like, and it felt it felt good. It felt kind of nostalgic. You, uh, something that occurred to me, and I feel like I feel like the script is a big part of of why it didn't do what this other movie I'm about to mention did. But this movie shares a lot of the same basic DNA with the 1999 Brendan Fraser film, the mummy, which I don't, I'm, I don't really care about. I've seen the first two and they're great. They are, but I just, they're great. And that's, that's, never, that's what it I'm never saying. really, like, it never really hit with me, you know, like I recognize that they're good movies, but everybody has such a big nostalgia boner for them. And I'm like, yeah, they were, they were good. I mean, cool. and that's kind of where I land. Like, I, I think they're really great films. Absolutely. Like the first one in particular is a great film. Mm-hmm. I have my, now my, my nostalgia goggles are on for the second one. The second one is not as good. Um, I, I particular the thing I love the most, and this is so future guest of the podcast, Dan Allmiller, um, one of my very good friends from college. Uh, he and I had a running joke um, when we were f- starting when we were freshmen and we watched The Mummy Returns. We had this running gag where we wrote an entire movie script and it was ridiculous. Like it was basically the Joe Dante version of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, completely ridiculous about the pygmy mummies from that movie. Like the little pig, little pygmies, yeah, um, yeah. I we thought those were the greatest characters in cinematic history at the at our in, during our freshman year of college, and we had just like and it like Tom Jones was in the movie, like we just went into like our deep recesses of Sam Neill, I think was in our movie, like we had just everything that we loved as freshmen we put into that movie and we thought it was the funniest fucking thing and people would ask us about it like people would be like hey what's new with the pygmy mummies and we would just make shit up on the spot because we weren't (laughs) actually writing this thing but we loved for people to think that we were so we just like riff and we had this like whole elaborate plot that was basically mars attacks but with pygmy mummies um, well, you get Tom Jones in there, fresh off of Mars Attacks. Mm-hmm. You, know, you gotta, you gotta draw mm-hmm. some some lines. Absolutely, like it Connecting. was. It was fucking. It was. It was. It was. It was our. It was our. It was one of two things that we were known for our freshman year. The other was singing Elvis Presley's "In the Ghetto." Um, people would just ask us randomly to sing "In the Ghetto," and we would. It's um, fun to sing. It is a great fucking song. I fucking love it. It's wonderful. Um, but yeah, that those were those were the two things we were known for as freshmen in college. We since we we later became known for other things. Um, I swear, the one thing that people know me from most when I was in college, and the thing that when people haven't seen me in a number of years from college, they'll bring up 
is my sophomore year. We would do every year. We would do a thing called Broadway review at the beginning of the school year, the theater, the, the, the intramural theater group on campus would put it on and it was called Broadway review. And my sophomore year I did, or no, it was my junior year. I did Mr. Cellophane from Chicago. Yeah. And that is the thing that more people know me from than anything I've ever done since. I think more people know me as Mr. Cellophane than know me as the host of the disenfranchised podcast. Well, I'll bet you murdered it, man. You probably murdered it. I did. I did pretty good. If I wish I had, I wish someone had the video out there somewhere. I would put it on YouTube and I would show people. Actually, I'd watch that. My partner's parents have that that VHS tape. Like they have it. I would just need to find a way to convert it to digital and put it on you the internet. You could send it to me. I, I have to, I'd have to get them to part with it, and I don't know that they would. Um, I would. I would never do anything to destroy it. And I know you wouldn't. Oh, hey, when it's all over, what? Who cares what happens to the tape? It's on the internet forever. But yeah, that was that was the. I, I remember my 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 late friend Annika's uh, stepmother at her funeral. Uh, called me Mr. Cellophane. Like, it's just, oh, it's the thing that I'm me. known for. Um, and, but then, but then last year I had a really rough year and I couldn't sing that song anymore. Like I, one, one, one day to punish myself, I listened to like 10 different versions of that song and I was just a blubbering mess at the end of it. So I, I can't really engage with that song the same way I used to. So it's kind of a poison chalice now that I'm known as Mr. Cellophane. That's anyway, all right. Hey man, things change though, man. Like for instance, you know, a couple weeks ago, up until a couple weeks ago, and I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when it happened. Um, for years, mm-hmm. my bad luck song was Mr. Jones, mm. the Counting Crows, I, a song Every I fucking time. love and have loved I love for that decades. Song too. I love that song too. That whole record is fucking phenomenal. Oh dude. God, it's so I good. I love that record, it's dude. So good. Like uh, Omaha, dude. Somewhere in Middle America. Somewhere in Middle America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, fucking so many good shits on right that, to the man. heart of matters. It's the yeah, heart dude, that matters it's the, more. It's the heart that matters more. So good. That's my Adam Duritz. I hope you enjoyed it. It's so good. Uh, it's so almost it as good my, as Omaha. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, but I, it was my bad luck song for a long time. Bad things would happen every time it came on. And a couple weeks ago at karaoke, I said, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to sing that song and break mm. the curse. And it was funny because I did it. Like I texted my my roommate, a.k.a. my ex-wife, a.k.a. my boss. And I was like, I was like, I said, I'm about to do something dangerous. <laughs> and she was like, no. And I was like, I'm going to sing Mr. Jones, man. I'm breaking this curse once and for all. And she's like, no, don't do it. <laughs> and so and so I did it. And I texted her back and I was like, the curse, the curse is lifted. And she didn't text me back. And I was like. Assuming you're still alive, the curse is lifted. Like... <laughs> that's always that's always the worst is when you text someone something and then they just don't reply for a while and you're like, oh fuck, what did I do? Assuming everything's fine at the house, the curse is lifted. Because I thought the pavilion was going to come down or something. Right. You know? Just given your luck, yeah, it probably would. Yeah. yeah, dude. The things that have happened while that song was playing, and you know what? It's come on the radio at the pool a few times since then. Mm-hmm not phased your boy don't care your boy's like yeah let's let's yeah i'm way into that and now i can buy it on vinyl because i never bought august and everything after on vinyl even though i wanted to because i knew i wouldn't be able to skip mr jones because i don't have a linear tracking turntable 
You so, know what? I bet if you had bought it, that would have probably broken the curse early. No, dude, I had to sing it. I had to sing it. I had to get out there and sing it. I actually, that is... even though I have avoided it for so many years, I didn't even have to look at the screen, dude. I knew no. every fucking word. That is a song that um, early in our relationship, my partner would ask me to, to occasionally sing to her. And that is that that was one of my go tos because that's just a song that I've those lyrics are like burned into my brain. So, so if you're ever if you're ever down at the New Amsterdam, stand <laughs> at this yellow head girl. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, and so on. Fuck! I love Mr. Jones. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, August um, everything after is the bop, dude. It's, like it's, if, if there is no greater Counting Crows, Crows album than August and Everything After. Yeah, I know because I bought their second album and I was very disappointed. Um, yeah, they they never they never got got back to those heights. The song the song that is on their second record that I do listen to a lot. I listen to it every year actually. Um, just after midnight. I listened to a long December. Yeah. There is reason to believe that maybe this yeah, year dude. will be better maybe. than the last. Straight up, maybe. You don't know, dude. I'm, honestly. Smell the hospitals in winter. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, that that was my anthem coming into 2023. And of course, you know, after this weekend. I'm, every year, dude. After, after this past weekend, I'm like, well, got it. I mean. It can't be worse. No year could be worse than last year. But this, ah, this, you say that, but who knows? Mm. <laughs> we sure as hell hope not. But I'm just saying, <laughs> my father's going into surgery tomorrow, so fingers crossed. Oh, okay, yeah, dude, <laughs> I'll have my fingers crossed for him for sure. Thanks, man. Thanks. Sending good vibes. I need them all. I'll be vibrating over <laughs> here just for you, just like that. Right on. Um, the Phantom, though. Phantom. The Phantom. Um, but no, I was I was so fucking all in on this movie in the in the late nineties, dude. Like I, this shit was my jam, and I, like I I've I, I watched this movie way more than The Shadow, a movie I have definitely seen, but do not could not tell you very much about. I can tell you that Alec Baldwin and Ian McKellen are in it. That's oh, about I it. See, I can't wait to see that motherfucker, man. We're gonna, do we we're gonna have a one? guest, a, a, a favorite guest of ours. Uh, we're gonna have on. I I told you in the chat who it was. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's it's gonna be a good one. Um, that'll Let's be put a, a fast episode. track on that. Can we do that like January, February, or something? You figure it out. I we've, believe in you. We we have to get we have to get that guest on for another episode first before we do the oh. shadow. Because this one has been promised. It was supposed to get it was supposed to be put on last December, but I was in the hospital in October and that didn't hey, happen. That's so. something that happened. It sure is. So yeah, that there's a reason we haven't had a lot of guests this year is because I haven't done a good job of rescheduling them all. Um but you've had your hands full. I've you know, it's been a rough year. Um that's true. And you know who else has his hands full is the phantom in this movie. Fuck yeah. No, Billy Zane. This is my first exposure to Billy Zane. This is the year before Titanic. So like Billy Zane, this is Billy Zane ascendant. He has done Dead Calm. He has done Twin Peaks at this point. Uh, You and I are both huge Twin Peaks fans, as is Brett. We are all, we are Twin Peaks stands on this podcast for shiz as the kids say yes um and but like he is 
Oh God, the I'm looking at his filmography right now, and he has done shit I did not even realize he did. Yeah, dude, he's all over the fucking place. He's all over the fucking place. So I, I should mention mid '80s. He and co-star in this film, uh, Casey Ciamasco, are play two of Biff Tannen's goons in Back yep. to the Fu- in the Back to the Future series. Mm-hmm. He's in fucking Critters in '86. Um. He is in, he does a lot of TV. Dead Calm is his big break in 1989, the Australian film with Nicole Kidman and Sam Neill, uh, directed by Philip Noyce. Noyce, uh, the man who gave us the last two uh, Harrison Ford, Jack Ryan movies. Yo, Billy Zane's in, in Back to the Future 2. He's the one that says, how the hell does he change clothes so fast? Yes. That's yes. Billy Zane. Yeah. That is Billy Zane. Yeah. For, for reference, for anyone who doesn't realize who he is in those films. That's yeah. his like one line in exactly. all of those movies. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he is John Justice Wheeler in Twin Peaks in 91. Does a few episodes of that. Um, and he just kind of kicks around. He's in the, uh, the John Singleton movie Poetic Justice Poetic in 93. Justice. He's in fucking Tombstone, that fucking masterpiece. Yes, dude. With Kurt Russell, all hell's coming with him. In 95, he does Tales Demon from the Night. Crypt. Demon Knight. He's so bitches. great in that movie. I love him in that movie. I feel like this is what got him the role of the Phantom. I have never seen any of the, I've not seen any Tales from the Crypt. That's I mean, it's, it's fun. Billy Sadler's damn, in that movie, dude. It's damn near impossible to find a lot of Tales from the Crypt these days, but I've never even. Really? Is it? I disagree. Well, no, the series is what I'm saying. Like the series is damn near impossible to find legally. How is it not on HBO Max? How Um, is it not on HBO Max? It's fucking rights issues, dude. That thing is all tangled up. Um, But then he gets Dick Miller is in Demon Knight, dude. I so here's the thing. Charles Fleischer is in Demon Knight, dude. I was looking at this movie as a Joe Dante property. I'm like, where do the Dante regulars fit into this movie? Robert I'm pretty Picardo, sure he was a producer on this on Demon Knight. Sorry, go ahead. Robert Picardo is clearly the librarian who comes in and gets his eyes gouged out with the 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 razors. Yeah, that's Robert Picardo, hundred percent. Dick Miller is the cabbie. Like Dick Miller is a hundred percent the cabbie. <laughs> Al the I'm cab glad driver. they went with who they went with though. No, I do. I, I I love the cab driver, but I think Dick Miller would have fucking knocked that out of the park. Oh yeah, absolutely agree. And and I think Kevin McCarthy, if he's not Xander Drax, and I don't think he is, I think he's the police commissioner. Like that just strikes me as the role they would cast that he yeah. would cast Kevin McCarthy in. Like I can see that, yeah. Those are the Dante regulars and where they fit in this movie. Um, now, if he wants to cast, you know, some other people that he works with, you know, fairly regularly. I'm sure they could fit into other roles, but like those are the, and of course I think Bruce Campbell fits in who was considered for the role of the phantom. I think he fits in perfectly into a Joe Dante directed version or a Sam Raimi directed version for that matter of the phantom hundred. If I, if I may mention one of the many roles that Bruce Campbell lost to Billy Zane, mention as many of them as you want. Cause I kind of want to hear all of them. I want this to be a sidebar. I love this. Well, you have to read if chins could kill Mm. because Bruce Campbell talks about a lot of that in that book. Bruce Campbell's literary agent at that time. Did you, do you know who his literary agent was? Why the fuck I'm supposed to know who was it? John Hodgman. Uh, uh, mm, Do you seriously uh, not know who John Hodgman was? 
Mm, Do you remember the I'm a Mac and I'm a PC commercials with Justin Long and that other nerdy guy? Yeah. John Hodgman is the nerdy guy. Oh, yeah, that guy. Cool. He's like a he's like a a character actor who just like appears in like TV shows and animation and shit. Yeah. 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 But he started as a liter- as Bruce Campbell's literary agent, and he was the literary yeah. agent for at the time well, of If Chins Could Talk. Good for him because that went on the New York Times bestseller list, as it should have. Chins Could Talk. Um, after that, he wrote a novel, a fiction novel called Make Love the Bruce Campbell Way, but it was based on many of his experiences in Hollywood. So a lot of stories mm-hmm. are based on things that actually happened to him. He just kind of wraps it in a, a narrative that is fiction. Sure. I'm sort of squishing all of these stories together in a fictional narrative. <clears throat> and then um, his third book was a sequel to If Chins Could Kill, uh, called so another autobiography, just basically what's been happening since If Chins Could Kill. I think it's it, called if Chins Hail- could kill or if Chins could talk. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe let's look that up. Okay. Or I could just look on my bookshelf, but it's so far away. Googling in real time. That's how we do things, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it looks like it, it is if Chins could kill. Haha, you, I win. You are right. Um, the, the third one, I think, is called Hail to the Chin. I'm pretty sure. That sounds. I mean, that sounds right. But that's actually uh, make love the Bruce Campbell way is how I um, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, make love the Bruce Campbell way has an audio book, and it's like it's like a radio play. So okay. there's different voices for the different characters and stuff. And uh, Danny Hicks from Evil Dead 2, you know, Bobby Joe, mm-hmm. Danny Hicks. Yep. Um, he does some voice work in the audiobook of Make Love the Bruce Campbell Way, and it is fucking phenomenal. And when I was outside smoking a cigarette at Days of the Dead, I saw Danny Hicks out there and I was like, hey, man. Your fucking voice work and make love Bruce Campbell way is the shit. And he was like, you're the first person who's ever complimented me on that vocal performance. And then we became best friends and we hung out all night. Get him on the fucking podcast, dude. um, Steven, he's dead. Oh, now I feel like an asshole. Yeah, we'll cut that out. More (laughs) so than more so than usual. We'll cut that out. Yeah, dude. No, dude was a treasure. He was just a sweet old man. Uh, when I met him, his wife of many years had died probably about six months before that. And so he was really kind of finding uh, what his life was like after the death of his longtime partner sure. through like going to conventions. And he was really kind of that was kind of keeping him going and stuff. And so uh, we hung out that night and we became pals and. We used to text and stuff sometimes when they were making when Sam Raimi was making Oz the Great and Powerful. Mm. He filmed he filmed a cameo for that that was eventually cut, and he sent See me a previous photo. episode of that podcast. He sent me a photo of of him uh, in costume and makeup, like ready to go. Oh, rad! It was fucking fabulous. I was really sad that he didn't get to be in the movie, but yeah, I was really sad when he died. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I believe it. God, that's the tragedy. Yeah, he I, was a he was a really cool guy. But I that's how I I didn't know that he had passed. That's uh, that's tragic. That's how I got to meet him, and I'm not sure how we got on the sidebar. Oh yeah, 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 because Billy Zane and Bruce Campbell. Yes. So yes, read if chins could kill. Bruce Campbell goes into great detail about how him and Bruce and uh, Billy Zane, though not, they do not dislike each other. Mm-hmm. They are definitely were rivals going after a lot of the same roles at the same time. And Billy sure. Zane seems to be kind of he was just he was just this much. People liked him this much better than Bruce Campbell. Right. So Bruce Campbell kind of says that's sort of the reason why he never broke out into big movies is because yeah. Billy Zane fucking exists. Yeah. I mean, look, and you you hear stories like that all the time. Like um, I listen to the Blank Check podcast with some regularity and Griffin Newman on that podcast is an actor. And he talks about like there was a time in his career when everything he went out for either Anton Yelchin or Miles Teller were getting those roles. Oh, yeah. like everything he went out for, like yeah. those two guys were getting it. So like, he's just like, well, fuck, why am I even doing this? I mean, he got plenty of roles. He was in like, but the gonzo and butt whistle and stuff like that. But like, <laughs> butt whistle. <laughs> apparently not the, the, the original title of that film. He's like, no, we didn't all Hello, sign on for a film whistle. called butt whistle. <laughs> Um, draft day, the Kevin Costner film draft day, but he, I mean, he's done, he's done some stuff, but like, but whistle. <laughs> yeah, there's a movie Sorry, called but whistle. That's great. I like that. Like, I'm he said, he said on the movie draft day, he looked at the, he, he looked and he realized that that was the only time he would ever be above Chadwick, uh, Bozeman on a call sheet. And, uh, yeah, true. <laughs> Accurate. Sorry, I was drinking. No, you. you I would have that. laughed. Ha 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 ha. That was my response to what you said. But yeah, no, I mean, so so what is so? Give me one of the roles that Bruce Campbell lost, or that Bruce Campbell lost to Billy Zane, other than the Phantom. The Phantom. Other than the Phantom. Man, I don't know, man. I'd have to look it up in real time, man. I just remember the book how he was talking about that. Man, I don't have any examples. If you wanted me to research this, you should have said something before, Stephen. It's too late in the game. It what what do you think we do here, Tucker? I'm trying to I'm trying to advertise. I'm trying to get people onto that Bruce Campbell book, man, because it was really popular at the time. I'm telling you, if you're into Bruce Campbell, read that fucking book because not only is he rad as fuck, but he's really good at writing autobiographies. I think I owned that at one, but I think I found it at like a dollar store and bought it. I don't think I have it anymore. I think that book. I think that was lost in one of my purges i believe if i'm not mistaken make love the bruce campbell way there it is you got it autographed with a giant b hey tucker b what a cool guy i would love to meet bruce campbell he is he's one of like 10 celebrities i would love to grab a beer with sometime He's a fun guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a really fun guy. Um, is one of the only times I was ever starstruck, tr- though. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have any kind of interesting interaction with him because I was just frozen. Because mm-hmm. it's fucking Bruce Campbell. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I've met a lot. And this was before I was doing the horror hound and like Days of the Dead circuits and stuff. So I wasn't sure. I wasn't used to being around celebrities. Mm-hmm. Like you People are now. Have, yeah, like I am now. It's just another like thursday for me at this point (laughs) (laughs) how droll how delightfully droll (laughs) yes yes very humorous very droll 
Um, but no, I, I think I think Bruce Campbell would have fit very well as the Phantom in a Joe Dante directed version of that film. Um, yeah. And I, I think he would have fit the tone that they were going for because I and I I said this on the uh, Pod in the Pendulum episode on Army of Darkness that I did years ago at this point. Um, but Bruce Campbell strikes this. He's got the leading man good looks, but he's got a sense of humor. And really the only actor at the time doing that to that degree was Harrison Ford. So mm-hmm. like Bruce Campbell probably could have occupied that space, but for Billy Zane. Had Billy Zane not existed. Had yes. Billy Zane not been a thing. Uh, and this movie is probably the origin of Billy Zane shaving his head. Uh, because he had to shave his head or he chose to shave his head in order to get the cowl the the phantom's cowl on as as tightly to his head as possible uh so they filmed the scene where he removes it in two parts backwards um they had to front load everything where he's got hair and then he shaved his head and so everything in the costume was done later but then after that pretty much every time you see billy zane after like titanic he's got his head shaved so he must have really dug that look which i don't blame him because it's a good look he likes that breeze he likes that breeze man as as someone who used to shave his head uh for years um it's it's fun man it's a good look and it's so low maintenance like it's once you do it you're you're in like it's so good but yeah billy fucking zane man i i love that guy like um i saw titanic for the first time during lockdown God, that's a fucking good movie. You know who's really good in that movie? Who? Billy fucking Zane. Yeah, he sure like, is. He is the most contemptible piece of shit in that movie, and it's he's perfect at it. Like, he's so good. Um, I love Billy Zane. I think he's really great in this movie. Um, and I wish I wish we'd gotten more entries in the Phantom franchise so that we could have gotten more Billy Zane superhero antics, man. And you know what would be cool is this is a franchise that they could just keep doing because of the simple premise of it, man. Mm-hmm. It's generational. Mm-hmm. Once Billy Zane gets too old, what do you do? I don't know. Uh, who's his fucking son? Let's find out. Exactly. Next franchise. Next franchise. I mean, it's easy enough, but but the problem is this, and this was originally intended as a trilogy, just to kind of tie it back to the premise oh, of the show. This was originally intended as a trilogy, but because this movie bombed so hard at the box office, they just didn't do it. Unbelievably hard. It made like $17 million. Jeez. Yeah, but we'll but, get to that later. Yeah, they set it up in the film. Like, they set it up for the sequel, like when she flies away and Patrick McGowan comes on to do the, the voiceover and is like, yeah, leave it to my son to let a good thing slip away, but fortunately she had her own mind and she was back soon and you're just like okay that's the next movie but there was no next movie like it just didn't happen it is a it is a bummer i think the biggest bummer is that knowing that you don't have um knowing that you don't have treat william like treat williams blows up at the end of this movie you don't have him to go to for your villain uh which is a big old fucking bummer Mm -hmm. agreed like agreed you know this did this movie did okay on video though mm -hmm. honestly um, which is why I'm surprised they didn't go ahead and do something. That's why I'm surprised that like with, with all the nostalgia bait that we have now that we haven't at least seen something this trying movie, to sequelize or reboot this, you know, this movie does not have the like love that movies like the Rocketeer or even um, 
like the Brendan Fraser mummy have like, there's just not the, the outpouring of love for this movie. Um, I don't know if it's the fact that Christy Swanson is now just a like fucking diehard Trumper or um, which is why I'm kind of bummed to cover Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Cause when we have to contend with her and Joss fucking Whedon, no, thank you. Um, oh, but you got, you got Luke Perry though. And Paul Rubens. And Paul Rubens. The great, yeah. the late, great Paul Rubens. And like, fucking, uh, not Malcolm McDowell. Who the fuck am I thinking of? Rucker Hauer. There you go. Thank or you. Donald Sutherland. One of those <laughs> yeah, two. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Both of them, actually. Thank yeah, you. they're both in that movie. Um, I like that movie. I really do. Good. I can't wait to cover it, honestly. I think it's it, fun. It's, it's a fun on the time. list. That'll We'll have to do that a week when Brett's not joining us, because I don't think Brett's really keen to cover that one. Um, but oh, yeah. yeah, because like, he's a fan of the series. Well, and I just—it's also kind of like just Joss Whedon. No, thank you. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, Joss I don't really want to. I don't want to talk about the TV series either. Let's just talk about the movie. Yeah, Joss Whedon's a piece of human garbage. Um, but no, like I just I this movie like there's this movie feels more influential than it probably is, but like the the scene at the end with the Seng Brotherhood and the final battle feels very Pirates of the Caribbean just on a soundstage to me. Mm-hmm. Like, and this that scene is clearly shot at the soundstage. Like, they're not even trying to hide it. Yo, and I don't even give a fuck. Give me no. matte paintings and sound stages as long as you're giving me practical practical effects all day. And that's all this movie is. All of the action scenes are fucking amazing because you can see that it's real. Yes. I don't care if I can sometimes see that the stuntman is not exactly who they're portraying it's being done the most egregious example of that fucking amazing the most egregious example of that is the scene with the plane when he's jumped onto the horse and she's like still on hanging from the pontoon like coming up Mm -hmm. and they do like a wide shot of like her him on the horse riding toward the camera and her behind him and she like the hair is not even the same like the stunt woman has her hair like pulled back into a ponytail and is like hanging off and is clearly not christy swanson and I, that was something i noticed like the first time i saw it and i cannot unsee it every time like i, I know don't even care dude 100%. i'm just happy that they did it that they fucking did that shit dude that's just it man like shit like that doesn't i'm and yes there are stunt performers they do great work and they should get compensated they should fucking there should be oscars for stunts and stunt performances there should have always been since at least the 50s or 60s there should have been oscars for stunt performance absolutely i i love i love um that long shot of the truck falling down into that canyon very sorcerer wages boy. of death vibes the entire time that truck is like crossing that bridge 10 seconds it falls it falls it falls it falls we get a reaction shot it's still falling and falling and falling but douche <laughs> just to just to just to reinforce how fucking far from that mm-hmm. bridge it is to the bottom of that canyon and it's beautiful i love that kind of shit man like that old school practical kind of blowing up cars and fucking rigging up bridges to to spin and shit the kind of shit that they really kind of kind of tried to show off in the um the backlot tour at universal right and uh the confrontation in universal and earthquake at universal where they kind of tried to show you like we're gonna bring you in this room and show you like how we do these effects mm-hmm. 
and it's it's just fucking fascinating and it looks great and it cg does. is wonderful when used like sparingly mm-hmm. and 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 when it looks good but there's nothing better than a fucking practical effect dude Agreed. nothing better because you can see you can see that it's real and we've always been big practical effects people on this podcast like brett and i both love practical effects like we'll, we'll cheer them every time we fucking see them like we love love practical effects because again there's something about there's something kind of magical about a practical effect even like if they're if, not great even exactly. if they're not great you know at least they're there it's in camera and you're mm-hmm. seeing it it's something physical that you can see and almost touch you know like my favorite stories from the from from the 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 bygone eras of hollywood are films like John Carpenter's The Thing or William Friedkin's Sorcerer, where you get like these filmmakers legitimately doing great stuff and getting it on camera. And sometimes it doesn't work out right. And that makes it into the film. And that still works out well. Like I love absolutely all of that. Like I'm a sucker for practical effects and so few filmmakers are even doing them. Or It's one reason to go see a Christopher Nolan movie in my mind, because he's one of the few directors still doing practical effects. Or Michel Gondry, if he makes any more films. Sure, um, he's. I think he's got one coming out later this year. I think we said on the on the uh, Green Hornet episode. Something I wanted to call out, which your your reference to the thing uh, made me think of, um, the, the thing that always makes me mad when um, movies have CGI animals in them mm-hmm. is because I've seen the thing, I've seen that dog. And I've seen how fucking well that that dog, like, I love Kurt Russell. I love Keith David. I love everybody in that movie, even fucking Diabetes. Uh, what's his fucking name? Wilfred oh, Brimley. Thank you. I'm sorry. I usually know his name, but for some reason, Diabetes. <laughs> fucking Diabetes. Uh, he was also on that, that show, My uh, Our House. Yes. His very, very, very fine house. Uh, but anyway, uh, I want to go back inside. I, I remember shows, that show. Speaking of shows, nobody remembers um, uh, Christy Swanson's dad or uncle or whatever. That's the dad from Life Goes On. Dude. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I was like, holy shit, that's that's fucking Corky's pop, dude. That's Bill like, Smitrovich. <laughs> yeah, dude. The November man's own Bill Smitrovich. <laughs> yeah. What was I going on about before I went on that tangent? Um, uh, fuck. Uh, the Thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So The Dog and the Thing is amazing. Um. And it's a big testament to, uh, for me, when big studios use CGI for animals. I know right. it's easier, but it, you can get an animal to do those things. And this is another example. The Phantom is another example. The wolf and the horse mm-hmm. in this, perfect, beautiful. And there are even sometimes where, like, when he climbs the ramp up to the boat to to get the guy, you can see that he's obviously like following some food off screen somewhere. Right. Yeah, it doesn't matter, dude. Doesn't it's matter. there. It's there, and I fucking believe it. What a great line in this movie. Your dog's a wolf. I know. <laughs> yeah, fucking A. I know. Like, fuck, duh. And again, you can tell that's in a more comedic script, and that probably would have been played up just like maybe 10% more, and it would have probably yeah. hit a lot better. But like again, like you're playing everything very earnestly. I don't know. I think there are For times me, it when it works. Better. There are times when it doesn't. Like I'm a big fan of finding the truth in com- as an actor. I love being able to mm-hmm. find the truth in comedy. And I think that's where the you're able to. I think that's where the big laughs tend to come. Like 
comedy that has like a, a realistic, believable backbone to it. I think if you start to get too absurd and too off the rails, it, it loses something for me. I, I won't say that's universally true, but, uh, but again, yeah. for me, that that's, that's where I find, find the comedy. And I feel like them playing it straight. It's good, but I feel like, you know, like, like Pedro Pascal in wonder woman 84, it could be better. Like, yeah. Like I, I want to see the, I do want to see the Joe Dante version of this movie. I don't know that it would be better, but I, I would still love to see it and what oh, he yeah. would do with this material. Again, I think Treat Williams needs to be there regardless, because again, I think Treat knows exactly what this movie should have been and is playing that a hundred percent across the board. Absolutely, agreed. But yeah, man, The Phantom. What a what a movie. What a fucking really, movie. I'm so glad that I finally watched this movie. I actually I'm glad you were able to, man. I almost watched it again today, but instead I wasted my time on the adults. I mean, dude, you can you can always watch it when we're done. No, I have to I have to watch Winning Time when we're done. It's That's true. I mean, you could watch well, you could Monday watch it now, after, but for me watch, it's Monday. I was going to say I still got another 42 minutes till till yeah. Monday, but yeah. <laughs> But yeah, let's 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 go ahead and try to bring this in for landing. The Phantom opened on June seventh, nineteen ninety six. It opened to excuse me. It opened to five million dollars, five point one million dollars. It was not the biggest film opening this weekend. That distinction goes to a little film by a little director called Mikey Bay. Uh, the film is The Rock, starring Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage. The Rock opening at number one this week to $25 million. Um, number two, my favorite film in the franchise, the original Mission Impossible. Uh, in its third week, it's already earned $130 million, earns 14 this weekend. Uh, in third place, another great film of the mid-90s. Stephen, wait, wait, wait. I have to go behind the curtain here and say I was just taking a pee. Because I didn't think I'd have anything to say about anything. But now, even though I love this That's movie, and I remember, I remember it being super hyped, I can see why it didn't do so well. Can you tell us again what the number one movie was? This the week, Rock? Steven? The motherfucking Rock. The Rock. And Welcome to the, the Rock. One of the best action movies of the 1990s, the mid-90s at least. I named a truck um, Stanley Goodspeed because of that nice. movie. One of the two S10s that I've had in my life. I named. I will Stanley say, Goodspeed. though, the best action movie of the 1990s and maybe one of the best action movies of all time. Heat. Are you going to say Heat? You're going to say Heat, aren't you? He's going to say Heat. He's about to say Heat. There it is. Okay. You know I'm going to say Heat. Yeah, yeah. You know heat. what I'm about, sir. Have you read? Have you read the sequel? I haven't. I'm waiting for the movie. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Waiting for the movie. Uh, and also, uh, Mission Impossible, the original, best of the series. Though I, I'm not saying. I mean, I love every movie in the Mission Impossible series that I have. It's a seen. good series. And I love two more than most people do. Um, but the first one for me is I agree. Wowzers. When when uh, when Billy Zane was rolling around in the elevator shafts in this movie, I was thinking, I hope he doesn't get Emilio Estevez. <laughs> he better not get Emilio Estevez up in here. No, man. I so like I've I've heard people say that Mission Impossible is difficult to understand, 
but I don't get that. The for first one? Are you kidding me? For two reasons, I don't get that. One, I, I watched was, it like thirteen when that came out, and like I got the entire thing. Are you kidding me? I watched it so much as a kid. And I'm like, kind of dumb. It was on regular rotation in my house as a kid. And secondly, because my dad loved it. But secondly, I watched it with my dad. And my dad is one of those guys who's like, did you catch that? This is what, like, he's he's one of those guys who, like, watches movies. Yeah, dude. And so he's like, did you catch that? And And we would watch it so many times because I think he was trying to, like, figure it out. Yeah. Like, so we watched it all the time. Like, we did the same thing with The Matrix. Like we, we absolutely, like I've heard people be like, oh, I didn't realize that when Switch calls him a copper top, she's referring to a battery because that's what God. Morpheus pulls out. My dad got that first viewing. My dad's like, see, that's copper top battery. She called him copper top earlier. Did you catch that? Like that's, that, that was Curacao, who I grew up yeah. watching movies with was, was that guy, that man. <laughs> so that has influenced absolutely the way that I watch films. So I, I absolutely figured out mission impossible. Like my dad and I cracked that shit together and I am, I am a better person for it. I think, um, fourth place, uh, dragon heart. Remember that Sean Connery's got two movies in the top five yeah. this week. Um, Dragonheart, they they're still making those, dude. Are they like really? Ben Kingsley was the dragon at some point. Oh, yeah, I saw no. a trailer for one the other day, dude. I know it's Robbie Benson like, was in the second one. Robbie Benson was a dragon in the second one. That I know. There's a whole thing, you know, like there's a whole subculture of fans of uh of that. And uh, that that's one of those franchises where you're like, I didn't know people were asking for this. Yeah, and then you I realize not only are they asking for it, but they've been making those for years. Like Land Before Time is another one. I'm like, wait, people were asking for we're these sequels? We're 14 deep. We're 14 deep right. right now in Land Before Time. Exactly. Exactly. That was that's, like 88, 89. Like yeah. that's one every couple years, you mm-hmm. know? That's insane. Insane. Um, Don Bluth, what a, what a But weirdo. the kids love it. Do they? Oh, Brett would have understood that reference. Anyway, continue. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You we know. miss Brett when he's not here. We, we really fucking do. God, I, I wish he were. I wish he could be on all the time. I really do. I damn, do too. Damn his excursions to the Bengala jungle. Um, he's an integral part of this podcast. He is. He's. He's. He is. He is very much so. Uh, in fifth place, Eddie, the movie Eddie, and that I'm was Whoopi Goldberg. I think and so. A monkey? Uh, yes, yes. Whoopi Goldberg. How do I know that? What the fuck? I don't know why you know that, but yeah, that is at that is at. Le- I think it. No, that's at that's whoop, not what Whoopi Goldberg. That's Whoopi Goldberg and coaching the Knicks. Oh, okay, same thing. No, Theodore Rex is the one with her and the dinosaur. <laughs> don't ask me why the fuck I know that off the top of my head. What's the one with her and a monkey though? Is there one with her and a monkey? I think you're thinking of the movie Ed, which is Matt LeBlanc and a monkey. Same thing. Playing baseball. Are you saying Matt LeBlanc and Whoopi Goldberg are the same person? Because you need to check yourself Pretty prior much. to wrecking yourself, sir. Pretty much, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Baseball. One of those actors has an EGOT and the other could only dream of getting an EGOT. Oh, you're right. No, Whoopi is the shit. You're right. Whoopi, Whoopi is the shit. In the Let's... context of movies with monkeys and, and T-Rexes, mm-hmm. pretty much the same. Uh, in sixth place, the Phantom. So he it comes in numbers, opens at sixth place Yo, this weekend. Oh boy, word of mouth, not even word of mouth, gonna save mm. that motherfucker. You're not gonna scream on this, no. 
it it only makes a, a little over three times that in its in its domestic box yeah. office. Doesn't have much of a release globally, although I do have a funny no. story about the global release of this. Uh, oh seventh place, you've got Spy Hard, the Leslie Nielsen film Spy Hard. I watched that at the theater. I went to the theater to see that because Weird Al was in it and he did the theme song. He did the theme, yeah, the James Bond-esque theme. It's the theme and I hate from those Spy kind Hard. Of movies. I hate those kind of movies. I don't like those kind of parodies. Those Zuckerman airplane mm-hmm. type shit. I think they all suck. Zucker, Airbr- suck. Zuckers, yeah. The Zazz. Yeah. Naked yeah. Gun sucks. Not a fan. It all sucks. Not a fan. Mel Bro- oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, oh, no. Please, Steven, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'm not a fan of, the, okay. of that style of parody. Not a fan. <laughs> I almost put my foot in my mouth. I almost made a lot of enemies there. Please oh. continue. <laughs> Eighth place, the original Arrival, the one with Charlie Sheen. Uh, oh yeah 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 that opened it at uh that opened the previous week at number five is down to eight and it's continuing liked draw. that movie i saw that on video when i it came only out. ever saw the fun. tail end of that movie because it would i would only ever see it when i was like watching something else on hbo and it happened to be the movie that was on before so i would always catch yeah, yeah. the end where that kid's legs do the weird bird thing <laughs> <running off. laughs> yes um number nine flipper future episode of this podcast flipper I saw that at the theater too. Paul Hogan and Elijah Wood in eighth place, the truth or in 10th place, the truth about cats and dogs. I do want to call out the, the next five though. Cause four of those five are fucking wild. 11 toy story word 12. One of my favorites the bird cage. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. You love that movie. Love that movie, dude. It is a great movie. It's so fucking. I, I kind of want to watch it like right now. I'm not going to, but I kind of want to watch it right now. Oh, dude. As soon as we're done here, pop it on. I'll sleep to it. Why the fuck not? Um, in in 13th, (laughs) The Craft. Okay. Uh, I would love a 4K of that. mm -hmm. And 14th place, a movie I'm not actually familiar with, Cold Comfort Farm. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck that is. It's a Gramercy film. Don't know anything about cool. it. And in oh, 15th, that, maybe that's why they went bankrupt. And in 15th place, Muppet Treasure Island. With your boy, Tim Curry. With my boy, Tim Curry. Um, yeah, but yeah, a this, fun one. I love that. This movie he makes, truly is the Michael Caine of that movie. He really is. He's so fucking good. Honestly, I think he's even better than Michael Caine. Because oh, he's like, I he, don't know. Michael Caine you plays it a hundred percent straight. Tim Curry is going like balls to the wall. Look, insane. and I get that. I would say their performances are comparable, but Muppet Christmas Carol is so much of a better film than Muppet Treasure Island. Even though I love Muppet Treasure Island, right here, raising my hand, I'm the guy who loves that movie. But Muppet Christmas Carol is just leaps and bounds ahead of it in every every aspect here's what i will say here's my stance on this as a muppet fan here's my stance Please do, yes um i will say muppet christmas carol is the better film mm-hmm. muppet treasure island is the better muppet movie really yes okay like if you look at like those early muppet like for t- particularly the original trilogy muppet movie muppet caper take manhattan take manhattan you look yeah. at those three like the madcap energy of the Muppets is so pure and distilled that comes across more in treasure Island than it does in Christmas Carol. Well, and see for me, it Christmas Carol, they're playing it very safe and very straight. And in treasure Uh, Island, they go off the rails and that's why I think it's the better Muppet movie. Again, Muppet movie. I want to make that very clear distinction. 
I understand that, and I, I kind of, kind of agree with that. But at the same time, I like the fact that Muppet Christmas Carol takes the Muppets somewhere else. Sure. Treasure Island, you know, you know, stays with that the 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 same vibe they had going. Mm-hmm. But Muppet Christmas Carol is kind of like, well, what if we took that vibe and took those characters from that and put it in something that's not so much that vibe. Mm-hmm. And they still get that vibe from time to time though. Rizzo it, and Gonzo to that whole movie as the chorus of that film, Rizzo mm-hmm. and Gonzo, they represent old school Muppets. They're like, Hey, we're still here, but we want to tell this story. It's very subdued though. And that's, I think that that is the difference because you get it. it it's, it's in your face in treasure Island. Yeah. And and I think intentionally so. Like they're they're doing what they did, but yes. they're just they're it's a lot more Muppety. Now, what do you think Island. of Muppets in Space? Steven, uh, what's your well, thoughts on that? I think you should probably go back and listen to our episode on Muppets in Space, and you will find out oh, really everything you need to know about. Maybe that. Uh, following this conversation, uh, when we're done with this podcast, the listeners that are interested in talking about Muppets with people like ourselves should check out that episode you know what we did an entire the fact that it was a good episode we did an entire month devoted to the late great jim henson um and you know what Uh, who designed the fucking costume in this movie Mm -hmm. we in fact we had really great i think we had a guest on every week we had really great guests on that um we had um Hope Lickner and Beck Stow from High on Cartoons joined us for The Dark Crystal. Brian Kuyper joined us for Follow That Bird. Um, Landon DeCrastis, my buddy, college buddy Landon DeCrastis, joined us for uh, Labyrinth. Um, We had um, my friend Andrew Johnson, my high school buddy Andrew Johnson, uh, come on for uh, Muppets in Space. And then one of my students, one of my former students who is a, a filmmaker in her own right, uh, Katie Doyle came on to talk about the, uh, the happy land murders. Happy time. Happy time. That, happy, yeah. time that, happy time. Murders, yeah. yeah. Unfortunate so, movie that it was, but we, I mean, we did a, a whole last month on Jim Henson and his, his creations and his legacy. So um, definitely check out that entire month. That was, I think June of 22, Last June, we covered all those, and it was a really fucking fun time. Um, And and I think the Jim Henson biographer may have actually listened to those episodes, and I am deeply embarrassed that he did. Like, that is maybe (laughs) the most – like, he went through and, like, liked all those posts, and I'm like, fuck, did he actually go back and listen to those episodes? I really hope he didn't. That's so fucking embarrassing. (laughs) Uh, You know, it may have slipped by listeners a few minutes ago when I said that the Jim Henson's Creature Shop Design the phantom costume for this movie with the big ass skull on the chest. I think we just stop for a second, let that breathe. Yeah, that just happened, and we let it happen. Just we did. There was nothing we could do. Uh, So yeah, this movie was a fucking bomb. Um, It was it was made on a forty five million dollar production budget, and it earned seventeen million dollars at the box office. Not a hit. No, unfortunately, it's not. Uh, the Tomatometer score on this one is a 43%, which feels disrespectful. Yeah, I feel disrespected, and I didn't even have anything to do with this movie. The critics' consensus, the script gives Billy Zane little to work with, and thus he plays the what? Phantom as a friendly but completely one-dimensional hero. <laughs> Fuck off. I mean, sure. Let me show no, Let, dude. Let's, let's all of us fuck off. Um, I don't. 
I'm not seeing. Oh, here we go. This movie got a 53 percent on, on Metacritic. Metacritic. Yeah. Um, that score based on it's loading here. My damn computer. I can't believe I didn't fucking pull this up before we started recording. A that billion is a, reviews. That is a rookie. Move 22. It's part. based on 22 reviews. 22 Steven. reviews. There we go. Mixture average reviews based on 22 <laughs> critics. There we go. And of course the letterbox score is a 2.5 Tucker out of five Man, stars. Do what? Before I tell you what my rating is on this movie, let me tell you motherfuck letterbox. All right, look, I like reading your reviews on Letterboxd, Stephen. Thank you. But everybody else on Letterboxd is just trying to be funny. It's just, it's 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 meme culture. It's it meme culture, the movie review website. Like, nobody, half the time they don't even watch the movies. Uh, other times they just want to, like, be a silly, silly fun boy and not even take movie, movie criticism seriously. So you know what? Mother fuck letterboxd that I is why movie... go ahead that is why i carefully curate who i follow on letterboxd Man, fuck Be- letterboxd because i want to make sure that i'm getting uh, first of all i want to make sure that i'm listening to people who i respect uh i may not always agree with them but people i at least respect their opinions on film and not just some random you know fucking internet troll on there and you know what? being all internet trolling. For the record, fuck meme culture, man. It's okay to take things seriously every once in a while. All right. Listen, look, if David Lynch taught us it. if David Lynch taught us everything, it's that sincerity is a powerful, powerful tool. You don't you know what? Don't start every start and end every sentence with LOL because not everything is fucking LOLs. No. Half the okay. time people say LOL, they're not laughing at all, let alone out loud. Anyway, I give this movie a four out of five, Steven. It's a three and a half for me. I almost gave it a three and a half, but then I remembered about how much I want to watch it again, like really soon. mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's a four. Yeah, it's it's good. It's a good movie. Like, what what can I say? Like, it's it's it slaps. This movie slaps in spite of itself sometimes. Definitely. No, it's it's good. Like it has it's better than it has really any business being. And yet here we are. Like, it's good. It's good. I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. Um, Yeah, dude. I just maybe without Christy Swanson. Um, yeah, whatever, but yeah, <laughs> Fuck and, her, but whatever. She and, this movie, and find a way to bring back Treat Williams like that. That I'm yes. okay with. And what is it's another one we were talking about in what are we watching out? Kurt Vonnegut and, and Trevor Moore both just fell down some fucking stairs. Mm-hmm. Treat Williams just got in a car accident, yeah, he died. Like he, one day he's he, just living his life like he, normal, and bam, he was dead. He posted on Twitter like earlier that day about like riding his tractor around his farm, like, and then the next, and like a couple hours later, he was dead, like. Fuck. Life life is fleeting and and precious and cling on to it for dear fucking life. Yeah, dude. Um cherish the people in your life, cherish the people you love cuz we're not guaranteed our next breath. Like it's 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 tenuous and it's precious and and we are we're lucky to have the time that we do. God. I I just got really fucking serious, but yeah, it it, it it's fucking tragic. We'll do it. Well, some shit like that, like treat Williams's death. Well, like you were saying, like he was just doing his thing, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden he's dead. Yeah, that'll do it to you, man. That'll put shit in perspective for yeah, sure. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, but yeah, that is our episode on the Phantom. Uh, Tucker just mentioned, what are we watching? If you want to hear us talk about Kurt Vonnegut falling downstairs, um, 
and and the documentary that Tucker watched this week about Kurt Vonnegut, uh, you should head over to our Patreon. We talk about Kurt Vonnegut falling down steps for an hour. It's the only thing we talk about the entire time. No, I'm just kidding. We talk about what we were watching, and also, if all goes well, we will be premiering our new theme song to mm-hmm. What Are We Watching on this episode, done by a future guest, Jimmy, a.k.a. Evan Tui of the Grand Voodoo Band, checked him out on Bandcamp and on straight up Instagram and just anything, just type in grand voodoo band and your boy's going to be there. Uh, and also check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash disenfranchise where you can find or disenfranchise pod. Sorry. Patreon.com slash disenfranchise pod where you can find that episode plus like 15 to 16, uh, 17 other episodes of that show. Plus literal hours of other content that we have recorded for you over the years. Um, Brett and Tucker and I have put a lot of time and effort along with some other guests. We've had Brian Kuyper, Hope Lickner, like great friends of the show on uh, behind the paywall as well. Uh, and we even try to have our main feed guests on what are we watching when, in the modern iteration. Yeah. So we've got episodes with Hope Lickner and Beck Stow of Higher and Cartoons, episode with our good buddy JP Leck, who joined us a couple weeks ago to talk to Tension. He talks about what he watched this week too. Like it's 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 just kind of a fun pre-show conversation to get the juices roiling before we do this thing. Uh, so check that out, patreon.com slash pod for five bucks a month. All that and more can be yours. Um, seriously, so much content behind the paywall there. Check it out. Uh, and there's a seven day free trial. So you can absolutely sign up for that too. Um, you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Facebook, and threads at Disenfranch Pod. Although I'm not going to lie, I have not updated threads in a while because I think the world has generally just forgotten about threads. Uh, but if I can get a, the podcast on Blue Sky, that is the next step. Motherfucking Blue Ski. Motherfucking Blue Sky. Um, but uh, I'm your host, Stephen Foxworthy. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and uh, Blue Sky and Threads at Chewy yeah. Walrus. Um, Tucker, where can we find you on the socials? You can find me, as always, on YouTube at Ice909. That's I C E N I N E, the number zero and the number nine. Um, uh, also, Tuck mugs is still a thing. I know people who are following Tuck mugs. Look, we haven't posted in a little over a week, and I get that. We had to do some staff restructuring over at the team. Tuck mugs. We had some people who weren't really working out, so we had to get rid of them and get some other people in. And now I feel like it's really the juices are flowing. We're heading in the right direction. We're really going to have some quality content really soon. I I anticipate a tuck mugs post within the next three days at the most, probably tomorrow, probably my fucking in like, who knows, like 12 hours. There might be a tuck mugs, uh, you know, post maybe who knows, but we've been really working hard to curate that and, and figure out when's the best time to put out which mugs and everything. So it's a whole thing, you know, it's a lot harder than it looks. We make it look really easy and, and, and seamless, but it, it can be really difficult at times. So if you're on Insta scam, uh just look up at tuck underscore mugs uh and you can see the output that our wonderful uh recently restructured tuck mugs crew have been putting out 
Uh, and of course, our absent friend, Brett Wright, you can find him on Instagram and letterboxed at sus underscore warlock. Uh, also, shoot on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a nice big old five star rating and review to help other people find us as well. And while you're on the internet, go ahead and shoot us an email at disenfranchpod at gmail.com as well. That is our episode on the 1996 film, The Phantom. So for all of us here at Disenfranchise, me, Stephen Foxworthy, the great Tucker, and the absent Brett Wright, until next time, slam evil, something else, etc. Yeah. Ad nauseum, infinitum, <laughs> ipso facto, the phantom. Forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>